Hello, everyone. My name is Jay Kaufman, and welcome to episode 26 of Way Outside. It has been a while since I've done this yet again, and there's a lot to discuss on multiple different leagues. Quickly, I'm going to make an apology for um, taking so long between this. The last one was on middle, early August. I was um, on vacation then, and it was hard to schedule it, and um, just been like a little couple, a week or two after I moved to college, and that's obviously difficult to feel transition, you know, getting into things first. We, weeks and months that you're trying to keep up with work and stuff and it's been a challenge so i've had to put this on the back burner unfortunately but i've been missing this and wanting to do it so i'm i'm back and uh we do like i said there's a lot to talk about WNBA wba finals ended a little over a week ago the nba started a little under a week ago and just there's a lot of stuff going on in basketball college basketball season's not too it's not too far away from starting even though i'm going to do a separate episode diving more into that but yeah man so um I'm going to first, we're going to start talking about the 2021 WNBA Finals in the champion, my hometown, Chicago Sky. And before I get into this, if you think about like stop listening or whatever, like I, you can, I won't like it because like gives things a chance, but like you can, but um, yeah, I feel, so I want to talk about this because this was, it was very entertaining. Um, I was back home for Chicago for games three and four of the finals against the Mercury um, that were played at Wintrust, and it was just a great environment, man. Um, and like game three, game four, especially, it was sold out. Game three was almost, and the fans were lively, man. And I just kind of think that you know, my thing, my issue with with this in general is that like if someone legitimately tries to like watch watching swimming sports and then chooses after that. To like they're not interested i'm fine with that but people that just base it off of seeing one low light reel on youtube or stuff like that or just like not trying because they're not you know they're not gonna dunk every time that kind of messes with me because i feel like when people like say that, that they're like true basketball fans i'm like if you don't appreciate this at least to some level are you really a true basketball fan or are you just a true basketball fan for 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 men and i kind of think that is a question we have to ask do i like it as much as like the nba or other men's basketball no but I find it entertaining, and if it's if there's nothing, if there's other stuff not on, I'm gonna watch it. Anyways, that's my little bit of a rant about that. But I'm um, moving on to almost wanted to talk about just the finals run for the sky and just kind of how good of a storyline it really was. So the sky, were the only so there's 12 teams in the WNBA. If you don't know, there was the sky was the sixth seed, uh, and so they were a 500 team, 16, 16, and you know normally in most leagues, if you're finishing at that record and you're squeaking, you're not gonna win a title. And I think there's an interesting, great thing about the WNBA is that there's a potential to do that because the first two rounds are simple, single elimination. And then um, they're, they're, the semifinals and finals are five-game series. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a very exciting environment and exciting league. And um, the run was exciting because the Sky had a bunch of very fun people you want to root for. They were. They have a very good, balanced offense scoring attack led by Courtney Vanderslip, who is the greatest passer in the history of her sport. To me, she is the dip, the barrier between her and everyone else that at passing is basically what Steph between what Steph is three point shooting. Like she's better than everyone, and it's like clear, and it's fun to watch. She ironically went to the same schools all time assist leader in the NBA, John Stockton at Gonzaga. To entertaining, and then you would bring you bring in her wife, Allie Quigley, who both of them I have actually had on a po- on this podcast a little a, a little over a year ago. On actually, it was before they were going into the bubble season, and it, they were it was fun. I and I'm definitely going to after they win this, going to try to reach out to them again and see if I can get them on because that was really great. Read Quigley is a hometown kid from Joliet, Illinois. Went to DePaul, 
one of the best shooters in the league. Incredible thing. And a lot of has such a pure, quick form and just gets stuff off and has incredible range. Candace Parker, who, you know, is the most likely one for someone to know, the, a legend who came to Chicago for their first season after uh, 13 years in the Sparks when, when she won a championship there. This is her hometown team. And her first year, she brought them a championship. It's very similar to what LeBron did in Cleveland. I mean, it's a yes, again, it's a different level, but bringing a championship to your hometown, especially their first, is just a special thing. And you could see how much a mentor in the postgame, pregame, all of those things is just, it's been a great story. And also Kalia Copper, who was the finals MVP, who is a very athletic finisher around the rim. It's, she is, she has a lot of strength doing it. It's similar to like, she, I find her similar to me is like the D if you take D Rose, but you take D Rose finishing strictly under the rim. It's still very entertaining. She has a lot of crafty angles and moves to get her that way. And just, it's, it was fun to watch. So now what I want to do for a second is I'm going to be um playing the sound from some of the late thing. So this guy in game four, we're down by 14 late in the third quarter, 11 open the fourth. And it, it looked like it was going to be rough. This guy did come back, though, and came away. And this clip sounded weird. I just wanted to get a sense of the how much it was popping in the arena. Um, this happened with around 50, 30, yeah, 40 seconds left. Um, Vander Sloot hits a fadeaway to give this guy a four-point lead and essentially put the game away. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see the video itself. Otherwise, you can just see the sound and just hear the crowd. But, yeah, it's a very great clip. So yeah, overall, it was a very exciting time. And like you see, the crowd got hyped. Um, the second clip I'm going to show is um, the last seconds, 10 seconds, where um, Vandersloot, oh no, Griner misses the three, Candice Parker's the rebound, and celebration, and um, she runs to her family. Everyone else, you know, goes out of hugs. It's just great moments thing. So um, that clip is here. So yeah, after, after that, I just want to say that WNBA was very entertaining basketball. The experience is fun, especially for Chicago. Should have been there and watched it, enjoyed it. And yeah, it was just a great time. So now we're going to move into the NBA, which obviously the season started just a little under a week ago. 
and or maybe over and it's been great bro i don't know how to say bro but it's been great um a lot of fun man it's just been entertaining basketball last few games a lot of unexpected or surprising things maybe not fully but just maybe how well something works the bulls have looked very good albeit against i know they have not played a very really good team yet but uh they are three zero, and defensively they look so much better and offensively like you see the you see the bright lines and you see things that are pro- that look like they're gonna lead up to they have the potential to be very very good which I'm excited about because I as a Chicago sports fan before this guy I haven't seen a good basketball team in over four years and um I mean we just haven't had make our teams just haven't been good in general really but uh, yeah so it's been exciting the Bulls Levine Lonzo is in Cruz are huge additions mo- offensively but defensively they're insane they they pester the fuck out of everybody. They make they cause so much havoc. Even they get so many more deflections than or anything like not they don't just get steals. They have so many deflections that don't go or count for as steals. It's incredible. And they're high they have so many highlight plays they're fun to watch. Lonzo has just been great throwing the thing. DeRozan's had some very nice moments and especially shows he can be a secondary scoring punch among really Lucif itch has not really started to get going yet, but I think he'll be fine. I mean I I it's been a few games, and you'd want him to start hitting his shots, but I'm not too worried. I think he's a track record thing. And just even like Javante Green has been great as an energizer bunny off the bench who can do a lot of different things. This team has been together in a good way. Patrick Williams has been okay and hasn't needed to do much, and Kobe White's still not even come back yet. So as a Bulls fan, I'm really excited about this. Um, it's been great right now. You know, we're 3-0. We're with the Hornets as the two 3-0 teams in the East, and it's just – been great um yeah but another th- another person i want to show or another th- there's a few players i want to show who are off to great starts individually and then i'm going to talk about some teams that have looked very good and some teams that have looked less not as good as you expect them to but yeah so john morant has been amazing starting off season eight. after three games this is i'm recording this on monday he's averaging 35 points Four runs, eight assists, and he's shooting 58% from the field and 44% from three. These numbers are obviously are not going to last, but it's just the it's just been incredible how well he's been able to do this high volume with efficiency. And it look, and you can tell he really has worked on that three-point shot. It's still like a lot of a much of a set shot. And it's gonna like in terms of like being able to shoot like over taller people, that kind of thing, but it looks so much more fluid. He showed much more confidence. He had one very deep three against the Lakers that was just like Steph Curry range, hit one from the corner in the other guy's face. He finished. He just ended up. He ended up finishing with forty one in the past game against Lakers. Even though I mean forty, my bad. Finished with forty. Could have had forty one. He missed the last free throw, but his response after that was great. The guy is willing to fail and is okay with failing, and I think that's what's going to make him a really good player. We've obviously seen that his numbers. I mean, his numbers last year like were good, but they didn't look like all star level, but. I think he's going to take that job and become an all-star for the first time this year. He's so quick and explosive thing. And a lot of people are comparing. He is a lot like the 2011 D Rose and it's been very fun to see Steph Curry, even though his first and third games weren't great overall, he's I'm through the scoring and shooting, but he's been overall, he's averaging 31 points, nine rebounds, seven assists and the Warriors are winning. You can just tell though, now that having their bench depth is so much better. And while they're still, they definitely need clay, their ability to now have an actual bench with Bielitsa, with Otto Porter, with Bielitsa, 
Milita Porter, Damian Lee's playing better. Jordan Poole, like they're not, those guys aren't asked to do as much as they were with Curry, where Curry had to do everything. Wiggins has had some nice moments. Draymond's finally able, looking like he's able to score again for the first time in a while, which was great. He was a big part of that win. Um, and they're playing John on center. Like Looney is starting the games, but he's not playing much. They haven't really used any of the rookies really. Like Juan decides that Moody hasn't really played. Kaminga's been hurt, but they look good. And I think it's good because it's seeing Steph Curry in the classes. It's just a fun thing to watch. Um, and the last person I want to shout out is Zach Levine on the Bulls. His numbers aren't really, I mean, are basically the same as last year's, but last year, obviously, they didn't win a lot. And his number, he's been efficient. He's averaged 27, five, 6, and 5. He's shooting over 50% field, 40% from three. He's at a 50, 40, 90 right now. I don't know if he can keep all that stuff up, but he's looking great. And, his, and he's also looking like he's much more willing to be a good defender, but I think just because he doesn't have to expend so much energy on the offense like he did live years past, which I've always thought he had the potential to be a good defender because of his athleticism, and I think he has a very strong work ethic. And it's, I think this year, because he doesn't have to do all the scoring, we'll, we'll, we'll get to see him do more, do more other things and show his is a more is an all around defender and stuff. Um, some other some other things I want to talk about. Lakers obviously they got the first win last night, but they have struggled and it hasn't looked great. Obviously, a lot of people will point to the fact, you know, Russell Westbrook's a midseason player, or at least he's a player and everything. But, like, and while I do agree with that, and there is shooting at times, there this team still is not a perfect fit, and far from it. Westbrook and Rondo should never be on the court together. I don't – there's no excuse – there's nothing in my mind you could say to convince it. You be, Rondo and Westbrook are basically two uh, two different versions of the same person. Point cards who can't shoot have very – well, Rondo has a very high basketball IQ – they're quick. They can rebound things. They can fill up snow shafts, but like they cannot be playing on the board together, especially because they can't do much off ball. Rondo has a little, got a little bit better as a catcher, two, three point shooter, but he's, but he's still not great. Westbrook, we obviously know cannot shoot it's for shit. And um, finally made his first three, but again, was inefficient. Only thing it's just like a, not a great fit. And it, I'm going to have to wonder if LeBron's, you know, LeBron's going to continue making threes at that high of a rate. If, AD is going to look more like the AD from 2020 or the one from last year, especially shooting. He still hasn't his free throws and everything like that. And their pieces. I know they have some guys injured right now, especially with like Kendrick Nunn and Trevor Reza and stuff. But like, you know, it's not a perfect fit. And I still think there's other teams in the West that can challenge them. The Hornets have looked very good so far. I know it's early again, but Miles Bridges, which is named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week after having a great game. He had 32 against the Nets yesterday. I mean, he's always had so much talent, and, you know, we've obviously seen last past year a ton of his incredible dunks, just posters, and he also just has gotten a lot better as a overall player. And I think, he, you know, LaMelo has looked very good also. So I think there's, they are really starting to build a core in Charlotte. And then I think, I'm, am I going to commit to them being a playoff team yet? No, because I just don't see. But, like, you know, it looks better. They have a direction. They have talent. And, I mean, they, you know, they were – a playout play in team last year with that was without and that was with Hayward missing a lot of time, Lomelo missing a decent amount of time. So if they have everyone for a full season and also having Plumley instead of Beyond Bell or is their center will probably help. And hey, you make that they have a lot, they have talent. They have a lot of pieces that could really work well together. It's gonna be they're gonna be fun to watch it again, especially with Lamelo running this ship. 
Um, Harden, the new free throw rule has been really affecting a lot of a number of different stars, including James Harden, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, a little bit. But the new free throw thing and free throw attempts are as down as they have been in a while. And, and while some players coming, I love it because free throws are something well, they're important and they're necessary for the game. If they don't need to be called, if there's not actual fouls. And I think the officials are doing a lot better now recognizing when um, people are jumping in that that's not a foul. And it's been fun to watch. And yes, percentages and stuff are going down in some cases while some teams are still scoring at will. But it's, you know, they're allowing people to defend more now. And a lot of people's turn off with the NBA is that, you know, there's not being enough defense play. And I think this can really help some of the old school fans get back into it. And um, while I like some people are overreacting on how good James Harden will be, he still will be a good scorer. I do think he's going to struggle for a bit to figure this out because he's a good scorer, but he's, again, everything else, he is a, every, he is a, okay. He is an, uh, everyone likes to tell James Harden's a great three-point shooter. He's a good three-point shooter who takes a lot which is why he's there. And um, so, yeah, I think he's going to have to worry about that because at the rim, he's not going to get his fouls as much as he wants. He has to stop trying to, like, draw fouls on three-point ones like that. Because um, you've also seen, like, they've been calling some offensive fouls. They've been calling things. So James Harden's going to have to adjust along with another other people. Trey Young as well, although I think he will be fine due to the fact that he – he he has that perfect floater game. I, I mean, and he also is just – the Hawks mostly need or just as his playmaking is just as pointed to them as a scoring well with the Nets. I can't really say that without Kyrie because James Harden's going to be asked to score more. And he's he's going to have to try to get back to 25 26, assuming Kyrie doesn't come back this season. And yeah, speaking of defense, which we did for a little bit, Davion Mitchell has looked incredibly good on the defensive end, which was expected, you know. He was great in college. He was he got the nickname Off Night, which is again what, which is not again, which is one of the coolest nicknames in the NBA. I think. The, and if you don't know why, it's because he when he guards you, you have an off night, and it's pretty true. And despite the fact that he is only six, in the, the college he was listed at six two, but now he's listed at only six feet two or five. He's built so much like Donovan that it's insane that they're not related. But um, defensively, he just knows where to be. He uses his size perfectly well, and he's capable of guarding as much taller. in college. He was able to guard a 6-6 um, Katie Cunningham with, and really make him struggle with, with you know, a guy with a 6 inch charger. And he really, against Lillard and Mike Conley, he really forced him to struggle too. So he had a little bit more difficult of a time with Steph Curry, even though Curry shot really poorly than three, finished with 27 overall. But that's partially because Steph Curry just moves more, is moves so much, it's almost impossible to guard, especially for a rookie. But he's looked very good. And the Kings overall look like they're getting better defensively. They still have a ways to go. I think, but you know, Kings fans try. They had the lat thirtieth ranked defense last year. I don't. I do believe that they will not be the thirtieth this year, which is, I think, a good sign because they had a pretty good offense last year. So I think that's one of the games I watched, and I think that you know, there's a good chance that that thing. Um, but yeah, and I've already talked about my Bulls a bit, but I am just very excited about how it's looking, man. I we haven't had a good team in a while, and they're at least going to be fun to watch at the minimum, and I think they can be really good. Some other things have stood out besides that is just overall the Nets have stroke the Nets being one and two. I get that Kyrie's not there, but um, especially on opening night, it was a really big struggle against the Bucks. Got demolished, and while KD individually has played well, and Lamarcus Aldridge had a good game in Philly, which was a big good, a big and good comeback that I do have to agree. But like Blake Griffin still is like ah Joe like you know I think I I. I have, when people say that the Nets are still clearly a favorite without Kyrie, I just that's why I push back because I'm like, do, are they one of the teams I would put in as my chance to win? For sure. 
but I think calling them immediately the favorite is just a little harsher. I mean, not a little stronger now. Um, yeah, teams that have looked not good. Pacers have not looked very good, and I mean, I, I don't think people expect them to be great, but, you know, they're still seem to be like an average thing. I also live in Indiana right now for college, so a lot of people bringing them up and stuff. And besides Simonis and Turner's 40-point game, which was big, you know, there's still a lot of inconsistencies on that team. The Bucks have looked mostly good. I mean, there's been times where they've struggled, but that's more due to the fact that they've had a lot of injuries early on. Drew Holiday's only played in one game. They haven't had DiVincenzo yet. Portis has missed time. Lopez has missed time. It's Ogilet. Oh, there's so many players that missed time for them, so I'm not too worried. The Knicks have looked pretty good overall. I mean, they did have that very big, great second-day win versus the Celtics, which was entertaining for sure. Um, yeah, and in the double, the two-overtime one where everyone, Jalen Brown, 46. But, yeah, overall, they – have looked okay, not great, but Fournier is a huge addition for them, and he's played great so far, and I think he does give them another dimension that they didn't have up here. Also, letting Barrett go to small forward helps over Reggie Bullock. They just have a more talented starting lineup, and having Kemba Walker in there, even though he's not what he used to be, he's still a very good player who can give you very clutch moments of very good scoring, and his crossover is still, de- still deadly as hell. Um, Celtics have not looked great, and I get that they've had a, a influx of things as well, but like... You know, last time I was saying, when you have two players as good as Jalen Brown, just him, you're expected to, you know, be be one of the top or better seeds in the East, at least in theory. And I don't, I'm still not convinced that that's going to be the case. I'm think that they could get better. And I do think, I mean, I don't know much about Ime Doka. I mean, because it doesn't have a proof track record, but, you know, I'm, I think I would think Brad Stevens would hire a good guy. But yeah, the Sixers have also been an interesting one because, you know, the Ben Simmons debacle. And based on the reports right now, I'm not saying it, it seems like, Sixers are now stopping finding him for being personal that they're doing that because they believe that he's legitimately doing this and has a plan to come back to the team. That's the only reason I believe they would do that. I don't think they would do that to try to, they wouldn't do that without that confirmation because of you seen how they've handled it. I, it's still crazy to think that he's not been traded, that there's a chance he might put them again, especially after MB trying to, you know, on the game at home, trying to say that he's our brother and stuff after two days after publicly saying he doesn't care, that he didn't care about him. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of drama and it's just a crazy situation. But I think we can see the Sixers are still a very good team, even without seven. Seth Curry has played very, very well. It's shooter. Um, and Bede has done his thing. And just overall, they've been able to manage stuff. Um, but yeah, that's been a really thing. The Heat have only played two games so far. They've looked okay. They didn't have Kyle Lowry in the last one. But their first game against the Bucks, they looked great. I do. They're going to be an interesting team to watch because I think Kyle Lowry is going to push the pace more, and the Heat team is going to be a lot more is a lot more dynamically. Hero has been looked great in his first two games. Yet, even though they lost, he had thirty when they lost to Indiana. He's just they just have a lot of pieces, and it really looks like you know it's going to look. They're going to be able to defend at a high level. There's just a lot of things, and um, in the West, the Jazz, um, the NBA Power Rankings has the Jazz. Number one, I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, like, I understand that they had the best record in the league last year, but two and all, but like, I feel like I haven't really seen something special. Like, they're just doing their normal thing, and the regular season isn't one I question about them. It's the playoffs. Mitchell hasn't shot great in other of those games, and you know they have a very similar to the same team, which is some change, minor changes, and Jared Butler, um, having Rudy Gay and somewhat to all the stuff. So there's not many major changes there. Um, I'm gonna look back at. The- up the West standings again because um, 
but yeah, also the Timberwolves have looked good so far. I mean, I'm still not sold on them being a great team, but you know, the big question is if those guys are all healthy, how they can they be good? And I think they could be a decent team if they're ever if they honestly have everyone healthy. They have enough talent to do it when they're healthy. And while defense will be a struggle for them, they have so many dynamic scorers just in Russell Fox and Beasley alone. But yeah, guys, I think that's going to be it. Thanks. Actually, wait, but before I do that, no, I'm going to quickly talk about the top 75 list. Two things, two players that need to be on there. I love Dan Lillard. He should not be on there. Dwight Howard needs to be on there. And I and Clay Thompson obviously publicly talked about how he needed to be on there. And I do agree with him because while his resume exactly in some ways doesn't stack up, he's been the second best or third best player on three championship teams, one of the greatest shooters ever, great defender. So, yeah, I think those two guys needed to be on the All-75 team. There's a lot of talk about that. So I'm not going to fully go into the each entry just because it's sake of time and also because a lot of people have done that. But anyways, I think that's going to be it for today. Um, if you enjoyed listening or watching, make sure to follow, subscribe, depending on what you're on, platform you're on, and uh, make sure I'll make sure the next episode is up much sooner than the past one. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you. This is Jacob, and I'll see you next time.